2: This is the Puck Poolies Podcast with Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Puck Poolies Fantasy Podcast. It's Matt Larkin here with Stephen Ellis as always. I have an exciting guest coming on the show today. We're keeping up with the fantasy draft prep. But first of all, Stephen, this time I know you actually. We're in Buffalo to watch hockey. So how was the experience checking out the prospect tournament?
2: It was good. I love it. it it's honestly one of my favorite events of the entire year because you get to see so many players. And a part of it was me trying to get a photo gallery of a lot of these guys. So I have 33 pictures of David Reinbacher. So <laughs> uh, we're, we're pretty set on that for by the time he comes. But, you know, good to talk to some of the players. It, one of the best parts is seeing the families that show up. Because you get the families that are there in a lot of cases, that might be the only time they ever see their their son wearing an NHL jersey. Now, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I gotta give Pittsburgh thumbs down because they wore practice jerseys, so that didn't count, but uh, you know, it was cool being able to see kind of just, you know, the families get really excited when their players were called out or if they got a point or if they were just on the ice. And uh, so, yeah, I can't complain. It was it was good. It's a good way to start the season. Um, I'm happy I don't have to drive over the border for a little bit, though, because that was getting a little annoying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: OK, well, you heard it here first. Stephen, A, has lots of pictures of prospects. B, was hanging out with their families. So put two and two together. You're clearly selling photos to David Reinbacher's family, which is a oh, great got a,
2: I actually I get a good, good story. Uh, one of the guys I was with, uh, Jared Ostroff, he he kind of showed a picture of of um uh, Schwartz's like the, the Montreal smoked meat sandwiches to um Ooh. to, to Reinbacher and he looked confused. He had no idea what it was. <laughs> and the PR guy came over, he's like, Oh yeah, this is popular here and, and Reinbacher's like, I have no idea what this is. He also said he had never seen a fight in person before when wow. he saw it yesterday
0: wow <laughs> that was new wow that's exciting Schwartz it's funny Schwartz's deli it took me several years to realize there was a second entrance I'm always like oh you, you can't get in there it's impossible but I never knew that lineup was just for people sitting in and then I finally realized there's another door where you can just walk in and get your sandwich in five minutes I've that never been I've, I've Life never took been. me been 2022 to realize that I still have never been so that's great it's great. Okay. So let's launch launch into some fantasy hockey talk, Stephen. And for today, as I've been going through rankings, I realized in my mind that in terms of just standard consensus fantasy rankings, there's a major drop off after the top two. I feel like in most cases, it's McDavid Dreisaitl, but I really think it's a blender from three on. It could be McKinnon, Matthews, I don't know, Makar, Banger Formats could be one of the Kachucks. It goes on and on and on. So I wanted to go through what I currently have mapped out as the first round. First standard leagues, we'll do 12 players. And let's kind of go through name by name, and, and I can uh, kind of shed some light on my thinking so far.
2: All right, well, let me share the screen for the people that are watching through here. Ooh. And uh, you should be able to see a kind of, uh, it's Matt's rankings in real time. So uh, you expect Connor McDavid to go first in fantasy hockey. I am shocked. Why would you think such a thing?
0: Yes. And as I wrote there, the goal total now is up into the God tier. And the thing is, so all he needed was the goal total to come up. He was already pretty much untouchable. He beat the closest player in the scoring race by 25 points and the closest non-teammate by 40 points. And to me, what really stands out, it's not just the goal total that jumped up into the sixties shooting percentage also came up, but he beat his career high in shots last year by 38. So there's just more output, more opportunities to score from the guy that has the puck more than anybody in the league among forwards, right? So I do think maybe it's not going to be 64 goals again, but maybe it's 55. And then there's going to be, you know, 95 assists with that as well. So to me, McDavid, clear top top one pick. And I think this year, more so than maybe any other player in the last 25 to 30 years, he belongs just in his own tier for fantasy.
2: Okay, that's uh, the easiest answer you could have possibly given for, uh, yeah, we know, Connor McDavid is kind of Connor McDavid. Number two, Leon Dreisidel, a good friend of his on the Edmonton Oilers.
0: Yeah, and you know, when it comes to things like awards voting, some of us can be tough on Leon Dreisidel because people don't think he plays a complete game and is not a great defensive forward and so on and so on. But if we're talking just pure fantasy, he's clearly number two uh he is by far by a significant margin the number two scorer in the nhl over the last seven seasons so yes he's well behind Connor mcdavid but there's nobody close to dry saddle he exists in his own tier as well and he's just so consistent five years in a row he's top four in goals and points so you don't have to overthink that pick easy dry saddle number two
2: nathan mckinnon number three and it's kind of interesting it almost feels like people I don't know, we just weren't talking about him as much last year just because the avalanche kind of fell off a little bit compared to when they won the Stanley Cup. But number three still feels right.
0: Yeah, and this is where, again, like number three, it it starts to come off the rails. It could be another player, and I think it's completely open to debate. But for now, I have Nathan McKinnon at number three. There's always the injury risk with him, and as I mentioned uh, in in the story as well, I'm starting to get kind of a Mario Lemieux thing from Nathan McKinnon just in, in the sense of, a superstar at the peak of his powers, but he just will never play a full season. And you just understand that, but you're still gonna get elite production even if he misses a dozen games. Just the, the style that McKinnon plays, it just takes a lot out of the body because he's just dashing up the ice with that that fury, right? But last year was a really good example of how valuable he can be. He still had 111 points in just 71 games. So he really is that dominant. And you could argue that 70 games of Nathan McKinnon is still the third best value you can get in fantasy. That said, because he does have some downside, I could see him falling to five, six. Maybe there are some safer players
2: after him on the board. Okay. I uh, like this. Now with, with having the the numbers on the screen right now, this is not, anyone who's watching this is not going to be surprised on the next player coming up. But uh, Miko Rantanen, uh, a guy who, you know, Colorado Avalanche also, uh, very good numbers last year. Again, feels like no one was talking about him in that way.
0: Yeah, I think just Rantanen is a great player who someday could end up being a Hall of Famer. Uh, but is just overshadowed by Hall of Fame talents, right? Nathan McKinnon and Kael McCarr are just going to continue to steal the limelight. And I think Rantanen might be the most boring player on the board in the first round, just in the sense that we kind of know who he is. He's a great player. I don't think he's going to exceed what he did last year, breaking into 55 goals, 100-point range, but I don't think he's going to dip any lower than 45 goals, 95 points. That feels like the floor. So you want to be safe in the first round, and he's just rock solid. There's no, to me... Risk of him going bust and all. Oh, Miko Rendon only had a seventy-five point season. No way. He's a superstar, and he's just as dangerous as a passer as he is as a shooter. So I love that versatility too.
2: You know. Uh, for our next player, Jack Hughes, I want to throw everybody in the hockey card community under the bus. And he, when Jack Hughes was not lighting up the NHL as a rookie, you know, something very few rookies actually seem to ever do. People were saying, oh, bust, bust. He's terrible. Like, And his card value, like his rookie card was just dropped in value, tanked completely. I held on to mine. And it's looking pretty good right now. It's like, guys, Jack Hughes is one heck of a player. And right now, he's starting to show it. Last year, he was a shooting machine. Just missed the 100-point mark. And he's very young. Yeah. And and so
0: these rankings are, are still a fluid list, right? I'll continue to tinker with them as we get closer to the season. So it's not inconceivable that I decided to just go for it and move Jack Hughes up to third overall. I think to me, what's most exciting about Jack Hughes in the first round is every other first round pick, we know who they are and they're all in the middle of their primes, but Jack Hughes is not. He's only 22. Mm-hmm. He just busted out for 99 points and it's weird to say like you could pick a guy third overall, but he has upside, like he's an upside pick mm-hmm. and we know the floor is still strong, uh, but I feel like 99 points is maybe that would be the low side of the projection. I could see Jack Hughes jumping to something like 110 and I'm predicting he's going to be the number three scorer in the NHL this year. So even if like, as I talk about him right now, I'm like, wait, do I, do I love Jack Hughes? Do I want him to be my number three player? The only thing keeping me from putting him number three is that he hasn't officially done what someone like McKinnon or Rantanen has done yet statistically, but he's right there. So I won't rule it out in either way. I just love the fact that you're getting
2: upside with this pick. And again, I kind of like with Seth Jones having – uh, you know, being able to produce points with hopefully with Bedard there, I like the idea of maybe Luke Hughes being able to produce points with Jack Hughes on the point there, and that's just another high-scoring defenseman that can move the puck, uh, be a power play option. So I think just with the Devils, just you kind of keep want to buy high on them because they're continuing to improve. And they still got Shimon Nemich coming off. Like, it's going to be a fun few years for the Devils. I'm really excited for them. Their prospect team didn't do so well, but that's okay. Um, David Pasternak, 61 goals, 113 points, second heart Trophy vote. But it is a slightly different look, Boston Bruins. But I still think we should expect him to go early because even we know he can produce no matter what.
0: That's right. And I recently actually bumped David Pasternak back up in the rankings. I think I had him a spot lower um, but I realized maybe I was overthinking it a little bit. Yes, Boston has lost a lot of that supporting cast, but it's not like David Pasternak was playing with Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron last year, right? He was playing with Pavel Zakha and, of course, David Krejci. But Pasternak proved that he doesn't need to be with the other Hall of Fame grade players to be a superstar, had the best season of his career. He's still going to be with Pavel Zakha. And we don't know yet who that left winger is going to be, but I think... It's still possible that Pasternak produces, if not probable, at a superstar level. And to me, what makes him so safe or safer that maybe he's getting than he's getting credit for is if you just regress his numbers by 20%, which would be considered quite a downfall, that's still 50 goals and 90 points, right? So I think the floor for Pasternak is still incredibly high, even if he dips a little bit. So absolutely still first-round pick.
2: Okay, I like that. Matthew Kachuk, one of my favorite players in the draft and someone I could, I would almost argue could be your, the guy I'd be picking a number three. And I don't know where I'm drafting in any of my drafts yet this year. Unbelievable power forward, just had a career season. He is coming off an injury, but he says he's healthy and he's ready to go. That's
0: right. And only three players in the NHL have delivered 100 points in each of the last two seasons. McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Matthew Kachuk. So in terms of production you can set your watch to, I think that Kachuk has joined that elite tier, and I wouldn't fault anyone for ranking him as high as third. The only reason why I have him a little bit lower is I just want to see how he responds coming off that really long season. He was a little bit banged up. And also, if we look at the reputation of the Kachuks in banger formats, so Brady is the one who's truly the beast in terms of the hits and shots. Matthew... Yes, he's going to get that high penalty minute total if you're still a league that counts that. But he actually was uh, less than a hit per game last year. So Matthew has become slightly overrated in terms of the power forward reputation in a fantasy context. So to me, you're not really drafting Kachuk for the bruiser factor. You're, mm-hmm. you're drafting him just as a scorer. So as a scorer, yes, back-to-back 100-point seasons. Just the goal-scoring upside is not quite as high as the players I've ranked above him. The guys above him are all sort of 50-goal threats in terms of what they can do. So Kachuk number seven is where I'm comfortable.
2: All right, number eight, J-Rob, Jason Robertson of the Dallas Stars. Just, I can't believe I think I got him in the third round last year. I'll just leave it at that.
0: Yeah, it's wild. And to me, in the five to 10 range of round one, I consider Robertson the safest pick because he's never been anything but great so far in his career. He's been on that excellent first line with Rupe Hintz and Joel Pavelski. Robertson just keeps getting better and better. And he broke through into the 100-point range. He's right in the middle of his prime. There's no reason to expect anything less but a repeat. I don't know if he's going to, ascend another level at 24 years old. Now I think he's kind of getting into what should be his prime level of production, but that's still excellent. And I, I think he can do it again. So super safe player for me,
2: a player that can be safe, but can also not be safe due to his injury history. And that is Austin Matthews, who, you know, a year ago, two years ago, we're talking about a top three player in the league and in, in, in pretty much in any draft. But the fact is he gets hurt a lot and that is going to continue to hurt his production. If that happens, but if he stays healthy, feel like nine is, you know, a really good pick.
0: Yeah. And I can understand if anyone believes this is far too low of a spot for Matthews, because obviously he has the ability to be a top three player. Uh, but I just think he like McKinnon is virtually a lock to miss time. He's usually going to play somewhere in the low to mid seventies, but Matthews is less of a, an assist accumulator than McKinnon is. So Matthews point ceiling is a bit lower and His production is going to be elite when he's in the lineup. But if he misses 10, 12 games, he also needs to have a really good shooting season. If he's a little bit banged up, as we saw last year, his shooting was less effective and he ended up with 85 points, 40 goals and 74 games. Still great. But if you're looking at just the full season production, that's not really guaranteed first round level production in that sample size, right? So to me, because he has actually a lower floor than a lot of people realize, he's more of a late first round pick, albeit... You could pick him and he could be the number two player in fantasy. He could score 60 goals again and you could be laughing all the way to the bank. So obviously the upside is still significant, but he has more downside than a lot of other players in this range.
2: Yeah, when when he's healthy, we know what he could do. I think the good thing to keep in mind is there's better winger depth this year on Toronto. Where you know, when it wasn't bunting like Alex Kerfoot from time to time was playing on the top line, and it made mm-hmm. no sense. I think now with the fact is you, you can do Domi, you can throw Bertuzzi, you could throw Matthew Nyes, and I think you're pretty happy with any of those guys. So there's better options there. But I, I have to agree. You know, it's it's you, you got to stay healthy to really. Be pushing up. And right now that's just kind of not what uh, his situation is. Hopefully he starts healthy. Uh, Number 10, Elias Pettersson, Vancouver. A lot of people questioning where he's going to play when his contract's up, but that doesn't matter right now.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I recently saw uh, a publication, I forget which one it was, that had him ranked third overall. And I was like, whoa, my goodness, that is some hype, baby. Uh, And I thought I was the one having him high at at number 10. Uh, But I am very excited about him again this year. And really, the dominant season he had last year was a carryover of the second half the year before. So he's been playing at an elite level for a year and a half now. Obviously broke through to the 100-point barrier. Or broke through the 100-point barrier, rather. And it's, to me, what I was most excited about was just the jump also coincided with a big increase in ice time. Playing more shorthanded, led the league in shorthanded goals. And clearly Rick Tockett's goal is to entrust Pedersen with a bigger role. He's going to be more of a 20-plus minutes night uh, player. And I love that because it just gives him more opportunities to accumulate volume. So I am predicting a repeat. I don't know if he's going to elevate past that, but I think he can be a hundred point player again. I think he's a legitimate superstar.
2: Yep. I have to agree with you there. Uh, Next one, Nikita Kucherov, a guy who, you know, MVP a few years ago, feels like it's cooling off, but you know, he still had 113 points and he played the whole season.
0: Yeah. That's why I was trying to give him more respect. I actually had him, out of the top 12 a couple weeks ago. And I thought, Okay, he was the number three scorer in the league. And I think he's gonna he's got multiple 100 point seasons on his resume. I think he doesn't get enough respect because people have come to almost take for granted that level of production. So I'm trying to find a happy medium in the ranking that reflects how good he still is. He's clearly still dominant. uh, But also that factors in the previous injury history. And it was crazy that he played the entire season that rarely happens for him. I don't expect him to play all 82 games again. So uh, to me, more of a back end first round pick, but if he's healthy again, yes, of course, that can be a home run and turn you a huge profit.
2: And last one at number twelve, Tage Thompson. Uh, we, we know what he was able to do last year, but that wasn't a fluke. He was very good the year before, too. And I think a lot of people kind of forget that. But when it comes to Tage Thompson, you know, the Sabres are on the upswing here. This is a team you're gonna want to start investing in because they've got some good young guys. And at the time we're recording this, we know Matthew Savoy's hurt. That would be an interesting one where if he was healthy, could he potentially crack the top six? We don't know. Um, but uh, when it comes to Tage Thompson, what do you like about him?
0: Yeah, I think Tage Thompson is a burgeoning superstar. And I think you said it, just with Buffalo in general ascending, the talent around him keeps getting better and better. He's obviously already shown he can dominate on his own ever since Don Granado moved him to center. 47 goals, 94 points last year. I think that's sustainable. He's just really hard player for defensemen to match up against at his size with his agility. So I think that is a repeatable performance, but I still think there might be room for maybe he can get up to the 50 goal range, maybe a little bump to 100 points just because of the talent all around him, all around him getting better and better. Only thing is with that big body, uh there were a few injury scares with him last year. None of them turned out to be serious, but I do worry that he'll get a little bit nicked up, which is why I have him uh, at the back half of the first round, but it's certainly not someone I'd be avoiding. I, I'm very excited about Thompson again.
2: All right. I guess that's it for our, 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 all their picks here. So uh, I don't know. It's like, have you have you done your fantasy uh, drafts yet? I'm assuming not yet.
0: I haven't done it yet. It's coming soon. Mine's a keeper league. But before before we move on from the list, I did want to just mention a few players quickly that are on the bubble in case someone's listening, saying, wait, no so-and-so? No so-and-so? I wanted to just touch on those because the, all these players, they might end up back in my first round as I'm moving bodies around. So, uh, Kale McCarr, I do think that the signature season's on the way. It hasn't happened yet. It could be this year. Kirill Kaprizov, he was hurt last year, but he actually improved his goal-scoring pace. He's still a superstar, even without a good center. Mitch Marner, super safe. High points floor, just doesn't score enough goals to be a true easy first rounder and Ilya Sorokin my number one fantasy goalie but I'm not ranking goalies very high this year I just don't think there's any goalie that's in a tier of his own so I just wanted to touch on those four names and let you know that they're still in my mind and in a 16
2: team league which I play in that would mean they're all first rounders as well now there's one specific guy in Ottawa I want to ask about because I noticed you didn't include Tim Stutzler he's close I have him knocking on the door
0: I do predict that he will be a first rounder next season the only thing is I think he's going to return first round value this season, but I can't rank him above the players that I know will return that value. So to me, I've priced him pretty high, but just not not guaranteed improvement over last year. I expect he will. So I love Tim Stutzla. I love him as a breakout. I will be writing a story soon on Bold Predictions, and that will include Tim
2: Stutzla being a monster this year. And now if people read your top 300, which will be linked in the, the comments below or at the comments in the description. Um, but if you had to pick uh, the first defenseman to go, who is that? I still think it's going to be Kale McCarr. I
0: just think, you know, Eric Carlson got the, the glory for the incredible season last year, but Kale McCarr was still producing at a 90 point pace. He's still in his prime. So I think Kale McCarr, that when I say signature season, I just don't think we've seen the, oh my God, Kale McCarr season yet. It's coming. I think it's going to be a hundred points. And I don't know if it's going to be this year or next year, but I, I really believe it's going to happen
2: perfect all right so i guess that's it so again make sure to check out matt's full top 300 you're gonna be you're gonna update it uh it's been doing a lot of traffic people are very excited about it. i'm very excited about it um but the season coming up uh i'm excited to be the most drafts i've ever been in uh which might be hard to follow this year <laughs> but uh uh, yeah, you know, if, if you've you've heard me talk about the, the the fourteen league, it's not a sixteen league, but this this twelve team league I just joined with a bunch of scouts, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, all right, it is time for the tip of the week, and this one's interesting. You have it said here is play it safe in the first half of the draft, and do the opposite in the second half.
0: Yeah, I figured this is a good tip to bust out just because we're talking about the early uh portion of your fantasy draft right now and i always say you cannot win your fantasy draft in the first round unless unless you're picking Connor mcdavid for the most part you can't win it in the first round but you can absolutely lose it in the first round so to me i try whenever possible to avoid players that have significant injury downside you don't want to take on that headache you're gonna have enough injuries pop up on their own during the season you want the safest pick you can get when so many players especially this year in the first round They're tiered pretty similarly. So I've mentioned, you know, a Jason Robertson or an Austin Matthews. Well, then to me, I'm going to go for Jason Robertson because I'm going to take the player who's going to produce roughly at that level, but is safe, is less likely to get hurt. And to me, that should be your mentality early on. Go safe, 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 because you want to make sure all your early picks pan out because those are the players you're relying upon to be dominant. In the middle to late rounds, completely reverse it. You have to think about the future of your team. Chances are half that team is going to turn over Throughout the course of the season, a lot of those players are going to be dropped. So instead of going for the, the boring veteran, I always use like David Perron as the quintessential boring veteran example. Go for the Adam Fantilli pick. Go for the player that has upside because when you hit on those, those are the picks that can win you your league. And the veteran types, you can find them later. They're going to be on the waiver wire. So I always say... Safe at the beginning and not safe. The deeper you go in the draft, the more risky you should get to the point where right by the end of your draft, you should just be going crazy, just wild <laughs> swings at everything because it doesn't matter. All you have to do is hit on one of those final five picks, for example,
2: and find a really big breakout and you're laughing. Yeah. And it's kind of like in real life NHL draft where, you know, some teams will take a more safer approach and pick this guy okay we know he might not be the biggest star but we could probably count him one day being the second line center and he'll be very viable, and we're happy with that but you got to go for the upswing or the upside picks later on uh especially teams with a lot of draft capital you know you look at toronto and they went out and picked easton Cowan in the first round you know that's a huge swing in the first round but so far Reviews are looking pretty good. He was very good in that prospect tournament. He showed that he he's got something to prove here. But when it comes to later rounds, you want to be taking those swings and getting those guys that can be your your future stars. And that's hard to find. But that could be something where you're banking on Dustin Wolf from Calgary. That's a great example. Someone who I tweeted the day of the draft. He was going to be the steal of the draft. He was going to be the best goalie in that draft. And I'm still holding true to that one. He looks like he's going to be a very valuable player. Devin Levi, another late round pick. Um, these guys that. You look at the ups, they might have a couple flaws. If you're a later round prospect, it's because you might be too small. You might not be a great skater. The offense might not be there. But that's when you start to take those chances. So if you bring that mentality to something like this, it can reward you in a big way.
0: Yeah, and I love the example of of Levi and Dustin Wolf because that really illustrates the philosophy. So right now, Devin Levi's got a lot of juice. The average draft position is going high, and you may have to pick him in the first five rounds to me that's not the pick you make if yep. you're in a redraft league because that's not playing it safe but dustin wolf someone you could get in the 15th round of your draft because you don't even know if he's going to start that's what the swing you want to take that's the reach that type of portion of the draft or that juncture in the draft is when you do want to reach and if you have someone that you're really you have a hunch on go ahead and take them a round or two early just get get the guy you want because it's the, the rankings are in a blender at, after the you know 200 players into the draft, right? Anything can happen. So that's when you want to get risky. Okay, Stephen, we have an exciting guest, someone we've been trying to get for a while coming up. It's Dauber himself, Daryl Dobbs. Okay, we are very pleased to bring in a special guest today. This is one of the heavy hitters, all time heavy hitters in the fantasy hockey community. We've been trying to line up our schedules for a while. We finally have him, Daryl Dobbs. You know him as Dauber, founder of the Dauber Sports Network. Daryl, how are you doing,
3: my friend? I'm doing great, guys. How are you guys doing? Pretty
0: we're good. pretty good. We're, we're almost done the theoretical part of the offseason. we we got prospect tournaments going. We're actually seeing people on ice. So it feels like it's almost time. There's leaves on the ground. and We're really excited to, to get going. And yeah. uh, I wanted to ask you to start here, Daryl. Um, just because you have been doing this for a long time, you've been one of the most respected uh, fantasy hockey insiders for a long time. So... How did you get started in the fantasy hockey industry? And is there sort of a a superhero origin story in which you fell in love with the fantasy side of the game?
3: Uh Well, I mean, I'm sure like many of us, uh, you know, uh, my dad would come home as a kid with his, you know, sheets of, you know, who he drafted. And I was just fascinated just looking at these players. And, you know, at the time it was just Leafs and Oilers for me. I was a Gretzky fan and uh this opened my eyes up to other players and just start tracking them and then when I was 15 he invited me into uh, a league that was starting up and it was a keeper league and uh just the love grew from there and it was you know awesome and then uh you know I'm obsessed with with this thing and I tried to get into um the hockey news and uh you know started bugging uh, uh you remember Jay and uh you know, he gave me a little spot on uh, on the website doing, uh, you know, weekly articles and, and things like that. And that was kind of my moment when I when I got through finally to the hockey news and got going there. Awesome. So, you know, obviously we're looking
2: at this and the, the drafts are starting soon. Some I know some places have started drafting. I think it's kind of nuts. We don't know who's going to make which team. But what's the most common mistake that fantasy managers make uh, during the early draft season?
3: Uh there's a couple of them. I, I, I see all the time. One, one would be like overrating the name. So you're, you know, you're used to this guy producing and, you know, he's been reliable for some years, but you're not factoring in the, you know, the age curve or the latest, you know, situation around him or his proneness to injury or, uh, you know, like you're, you're, right now you're seeing guys like, uh, you know, Mark stone, who's a serious risk, but he's, his average, you know, his ADP is super high. It um, doesn't make any sense. Uh, and, and also the, um, you know, how high uh, goalies are still being drafted to this day. I mean, even after all the uh, the last few years where there's just been an uprising and trying to um, preach to, to the readers to, you know, not, not value goalies so high because they're just not so reliable. I mean, outside of like the big seven or eight goalies there's just a huge drop off and one goalie is as good as another and they're still being drafted um so many in the top 50 top 30 it's really crazy
0: yeah it's funny you mentioned it, daryl because i was going through uh yahoo adps yesterday for for a story i was doing and i noticed that all of my goalies are ranked so much lower than the average draft position just because i'm, I'm with you i just think it's the most fickle position maybe in all sports, not just in, in hockey specifically. Um, and I have a story on Daily Faceoff today about my favorite sleepers, uh, and we actually had Nick Alberga last week talking about sleeper picks he had on his mind, but I wanted to ask you the same question. Is there a certain deep sleeper that you just think is that that gem that you want to mine that's sort of been creeping into the back of your mind this off offseason?
3: Um, I'm seeing more and more that uh, I'm rate Dylan Strom higher than uh a lot of people and uh you know I just look at that final quarter of last season I look at uh his start to last season he had a little bit of a, a slow down in the middle but his line mates at the time was you know Nicholas Cabell. and uh you know it, you could just see see the changes when when he did well versus when he didn't and uh I think he's last season was just a stepping stone and I think he's going to do a little better and I think uh, uh, I can't recall his ADP I think it was in the high 100s but definitely lower than um, I I have him so I have a feeling that uh, I will have him in most of the leagues that I'm in for sure. And there's other guys too. Like I think Connor Bernard is drafted too low. That's not a deep sleeper by any. Chance. <laughs> but I mean his ADP yeah. is thirty seven and uh I'll happily scoop him at twenty, twenty five easily. Um wouldn't even hesitate. Mm. Uh and then, you know, there's the annual uh Caco and Lafreniere watch, you know, each year. It's like this is the year for these guys. But now it's getting to that point where it really could be the year, you know, where you know, several years in with both these guys and they're just, everything seems to be lining up more and more for them. So, yeah, these are some guys that uh, I'm watching. I'm also a fan of uh, Tommy Novak, Nashville. Um, I I just think he couldn't stop performing the second half last year. Um, Really produced well. They moved out a couple of, uh, of bigger names that would have been ahead of him on the depth chart. They're out of the way now. Um, not the highest upside, you know, so you're not going to go out and see him get 80 points or anything like that, but he's still a good, uh, good player to, to take later in the draft.
2: All right. I like it. Uh, so who's the one breakout guy you just want to get in every single draft you're in this year? Uh,
3: Taylor Radish.
2: How Mm do you guys feel about him?
0: so you're so you're speculating he's going to be the right winger on that bedard line that's what you're telling us
3: right yeah I, yeah i can't see uh, a better fit like i just he was they were really pushing him he's a you know highly regarded prospect who kind of lost his way a little bit towards the end with tampa and then chicago took him and started playing him like you know he was their their next one right he was they were just really giving him the ice time the situation um power play time. If you break down his Chicago tenure by quarter, you'll see a nice steady um, increase in in the results. And now he's got, um, uh, you know, Bedard there, and he's in that uh, 200 career NHL games range where you kind of, players tend to break out. Um, It's it's just really lining up well for him. Um, This is his, theoretically, his theoretical breakout year and, uh, you throw in the Bedard factor and I, I just think too many things are lining up for him. So yeah, I tend to say he'll be someone I'd be reaching for in, in any draft, all the drafts. Um, some other guys looking at to, to look at for breakouts too. Uh, I like Dylan Cousins, Seth Jarvis, um, Morgan Frost, Flyers. Uh, he had a really great second half. Uh, Sandine on... Um, the caps once he got out from you know being buried in toronto um i could see him and uh you know doing well in washington even with john carlson so uh, those are some guys to keep in mind
0: for sure i really like those picks and it's funny because we did mention last week that the conor Bernard right winger was one of the biggest storylines to watch in the preseason i really like the, the seth jarvis pick as well he's someone i have my eye on uh one of the unluckiest shooters in the entire league last year statistically so major positive regression coming there
3: and, and he's uh, been steadily on the the sebastian Aho line like they're tethered at the hip they're they're uh you know and that's gonna eventually break break loose at some point
0: exactly the role's got to pay off and uh so we've been talking about dauber some some players that you're bullish on but now i want to switch gears to bearish uh and I'm curious if there's a top 100 player a popular player that you're avoiding like the plague. I know we've already you you, you touched on Mark Stone and last week I was ripping on Mark Stone so it was Nick Alberga it seems like a lot of the fantasy community <laughs> has an aversion to Mark Stone because there's the back issue and of course the fact that he has a lot of kind of empty calorie uh stats in his profile. Yeah. But I'm curious, I don't know whether it's going to be Mark Stone or if it's someone else, but who is that top 100 player that you're shying away from right now?
3: Uh not quite in the top 100, but uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov, I still think is, I mean, he'd have to sink pretty damn far for me to just go, all right, I'll take him. I mean, we're talking way, way down the draft. I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not bullish on him in the the slightest. And uh, um, and Taylor Hall is another one. Um, I know he's got it gift wrapped the first line left wing spot beside Bedard. But I mean, he had the same situation with Buffalo with Jack Eichel and Mm -hmm. uh, we know how that turned out. And I have the same kind of feeling about Chicago. So I think Taylor hall is going to get that shot for 10 games, 20 games, maybe even 30, but um, eventually they'll see that it's not paying off and they're going to put someone else there and, hole in the second or third line kind of where i think he belongs um oh uh, uh devon uh levi um his adp is 94. Hmm. for a guy that i don't even think is going to start for a lot of a
0: lot of helium a lot of helium for a guy who's unproven
3: i, I mean in one-year leagues i mean keeper leagues obviously he's a must own but one-year leagues wouldn't even touch him he's a waiver wire guy um i think uh they got two goalies there that are um already they're gonna start i mean yes they get hurt a lot so i'm um, we will see uh levi there but uh, later in the season you know for injury call-ups and when he's called up i'm sure he's gonna do great but uh out of the gate he's not starting
2: I I, I have to agree there. We've talked a little bit about Devin Levi on this show, and it's like, you know, I feel like people still forget Eric Connery is in the system there, and he did play pretty well at points last year, and they do have Lou in who himself is trying to prove that he is a long-term option there. So we don't really know where Buffalo's going with their goaltending, um, but we'll see. We we do know Devin Levi will be a big part of that, but I agree. I would not be picking him in a one-year league here. Uh, So, you know, we've... Earlier in this show, uh, Matt was kind of given his top picks to go in the draft. And uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, most people can kind of say those are one, two. But who is your number three draft pick this year?
3: Uh, That's, uh, well, depending on the league settings. Um, If it's a bangers league, then Brady for sure. Um, In fact, I would argue Brady is number two. In that kind of format, you know, with the, the hits and the uh, you oh, know, Brady, the or,
2: Matt? Brady or Matt Brady or Matt Kachuk. You mean Matt Kachuk?
3: Brady.
0: Okay. Yeah. Brady's got the much higher hit and shot. Okay. Control, so, yeah. The so, in the Bangers
3: League, yeah. Brady. If it's a uh, penalty minutes and points, then Matt would be the number three. Um, and uh, if if you have a really flexible uh, IR and you're in your league, then Nathan McKinnon would be my number three. So, yeah, it all kind of depends. And if, if you have strict IR rules and it's points only, um, then I would it would be Kucherov. So, again, yeah, it's four different answers, four different leagues. <laughs> yeah, it's always a matter of
0: context. It's,
3: it's fair. Um, I, I
0: tend to have my sort of default rankings are kind of a blend. They, far, they partially factor in bangers, but they're not – full banger so i have brady kind of near the end of the first round or early second round uh one pick that's sort of confounded me just as i've been putting rankings together this offseason is eric carlson because he's coming off obviously a 101 point season i'm still pretty skeptical on him being able to repeat that i think it was crazy that he played every game i think he yeah. was cheating for offense a little bit because there's nothing to play for at the end yeah. of that season in san jose on the other hand he's joining a much more talented team he's playing with some of the best company he's kept in a long time so where do you rank eric carlson or at least just in general what do you expect from him this season is he someone you want on your team or are you shying away
3: uh no i i'm not shying away i just you, you know when you when you're talking about eric carlson you're, you can't have an expectation of 80 games again that's just nuts um that's lofty um, if you're, if you're coming in with an expectation of 70, then that seems to be realistic. And then if he gets to 80, then great. But, uh, he's either going to be out there with Crosby or Malkin at, at even strength. It's going to be 90% of his shifts as one or the other. And that's just, um, fantastic. And that's why I think it'll work better than, um, with, with Chris Letang than it did with, um, Brent Burns, because he's always going to have one of those, um, you know, elite elite players out there with him. So, um, I think he'll exceed a point a game again. I don't. I think 100 points is not happening. Although, wouldn't be t- terribly shocked. But I, I think 70 games and in that 75-80 range for points is is a fair expectation. And I think him and Kill McCar be neck and neck for top scoring D in the league this year. Yeah. Yeah. Peng- Penguins are going all in right now. Mm-hmm. And they have a power play that might actually be usable this year, which would be nice
2: uh, now that you've got a guy that kind of dominates on the power play there. Uh, so two guys that didn't really have great seasons last year that I think a lot of people expected better of, and that were Jonathan Huberto and Johnny Goudreau. Who do you think is more likely to bounce
3: back of the two? Uh, um, is both a good answer? <laughs> You'd uh, hope so. I mean, I, they're both uh, – well. I think in the end, Goudreau will have more points than, than Huberto. But uh, in terms of points gained versus last year, it's Huberto for sure. I mean, I, I still can't get over that he went from 115 points to 55. Have you seen that nope. ever in your life with you know being in fantasy hockey? Like anything close to that? That's crazy. Um, that's that's too far, and that's a Daryl Sutter kind of uh, drag down. It wasn't just Huberto, you know, it was Kadri and Lindholm, and you know, it just the whole the whole coaching needed to change. It has changed, and uh, while I don't think Huberto is a 115 point player, um, I'm kind of doing the cop out in in between kind of projection here. And say 80 to 85 points, which is kind of like right in between where he was last year versus the year before. Um, Johnny Hockey, he's going to improve as well, but you know, maybe 10, 15 more points—not not quite the extent that Huberto did. So, I mean, he'll end up with more points than Huberto, but the improvement that that's got to go to Huberto. That was just way too, way too uh, big a drop.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. I, I agree with you. Uh, I have the same type of projection for Uberto, roughly back into the point-per-game range. And even just by virtue of him not starting the season with his coach putting him on his wrong wing for 50 games. <laughs> you bring you bring him in, you sign him to an extension, you immediately play him on the right wing, which he's never played for more than half the season. And I know it did not sit well with Uberto or his his camp, if you will. So I think just starting in a comfortable position should help a lot uh daryl this has been fantastic as we expected awesome insights super helpful um before we let you go i just wanted to give you a chance to plug what you have going on because i
3: know obviously it's a very busy time of year for you yeah uh thank you i got the well the 18th annual fantasy guide um that you can get at daubersports.com uh the big new thing though is uh, the the launch of the new app uh for goalie post um that's the starting goalies app for you know push notifications and email and, and goalie rankings. And I also got um, projected wins for each game, um, projected saves for each goalie. Uh, and it's a free app. So that's in the uh, Apple store, in the Android store. Uh, and that's goalie post. Excellent, sounds great. I get to
0: check it out myself. Well, this has been fun, Daryl. Good luck in the fantasy season and I'm sure we'll have you on sometime soon. Yeah, thanks a lot guys for having me on okay Stephen, it's time for our prospect update and normally you find a prospect on your own that you want to talk about but i hijacked it this week and i said can you please talk about Connor medard and adam fantilli because they both had hat tricks over the weekend and there was some debate on twitter whether it mattered oh my god they're showing they've already arrived or oh come on they're against inferior competition it doesn't matter so i'm curious what your take is on the standout performance of both prospects over the weekend
2: well I will point out that when it came to the prospect um, tournament, very few teams had actual goalies that are worth even keeping an eye on. So there were some ECHL goalies getting scored on, or guys who are maybe just long-term AHL backups. But you know, you still are playing against some quality competition. And seeing Connor Bedard go out there and unleash that unleash that wrist shot, we know he's capable of. This guy looks like he's still playing at the World Juniors. Like it just, it looked ridiculous. When it came to Fantilli, he was just so dominant with Columbus. And I, I looked at the top standouts for um, the rookie tournaments. I didn't actually include him because Jordan Dumai was just a little bit better. But for Fantilli to go in there and just make such an impact and, and, and throw the body around and just be this this presence we know he could be, they are li- they lived up to expectations early. Again, we're talking about prospect tournaments, but I think that, you know, we, we know they're both the real deal. Um and when it comes to Bedard and what he could be able to do this year, I was kind of going a little lower on him. I was thinking like almost like 70 points. I'm, I'm going, well, I purposely decided, okay, I've, I I put a notification on my phone this morning. I'm like, I'm going to think of the first number that comes to my mind. And that's what I'm going to stick with. Connor Bedard's going to get 80 points this year. I just think, you know, Having a guy like Taylor Hall as a mentor is going to be a, a good thing. I think that, you know, again, I do like the fact that Seth Jones is going to be passing him. Bedard can create so much. I have, I want to buy high on him in this time. I usually buy low knowing, you know, the the prospects could be really tough to, rookies can be really tough to, to value. But I think Bedard's going to hit 80 this year. When it comes to Fantilli, I said earlier in a, a couple episodes ago, like if he's even hitting like 35, 40 points, I'm not considering that like, a disappointment just because, again, we know how hard it is to score. And Columbus is going to be a better team, which means tide might be a little harder for Fantilli to get in all situations, especially early. But I'm thinking 52 with him. It's Columbus is a team that it will be interesting to see how they react with a new coach. And I think that that could really spice things up, and they might uh, – let's see how the players respond. Obviously, zero games played under Frank Babcock, so uh, it's not like you could say they, they're playing any better or any worse. But when it comes to with what Fantilli is going to do, I like the options that he's going to be able to play with this year um, more so than if maybe he was playing with with Anaheim um, had he got picked there. So I'd say, you know, I'm, I'm I'm looking to have him get 52 points this year.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think those projections are very consistent with what I've had. I had Fantilli in the 50 range uh, because I'm confident he's going to have that big role uh, just because that's sort of what the team indicated the the night that they drafted him. Um, And Bedard, I had him 80 all summer but now I'm kind of wondering about 90 even, and I'm not one mm-hmm. to overhype rookie. But at the same time, I mean, Austin Matthews scored 40s rookie, and we know how similar that release is for Connor Bedard. And just seeing how far he scored on one of those wrist shots over the weekend, he was like the top of the circle, a bad angle, and he got like full power on that shot. It was just remarkable. So he is going to be able to create offense on his own. So I don't know. Maybe it's maybe I. <laughs> I don't know. Is he a 90-point player? I'm not sure.
2: No, I, I can't. We're still talking about the Chicago Blackhawks. Here, yes. Right? <laughs> right. We, so maybe we I... are talking about the Blackhawks. So we got to be a, a bit more safe on this one. But I think the thing with, with Bedard was he actually had a lot of experience because he was scoring all those goals on Colton Ellis on the St. Louis Blues. And that's a goal he actually knows very well. And they trained together. And, and, and the story went that uh, – Ellis never let in a goal from Bedard. And then he, I guess he took that personally because uh, those are three goals and it was a four point. It was not the best single game performance. It does go to Jordan Dumai, who had six points uh, in that same game that Fantilli had five in. So um, again, a 10 to 7 game where those guys get a lot of points kind of shows you maybe it wasn't the greatest competition, but I enjoyed it and I'm happy with that. For sure.
0: Very, very exciting stuff. Uh, okay, Stephen, now it's time for the best. That's segment and I've been going through a lot of futures uh, as I'm rewriting some, some stories looking at uh, NHL award candidates and obviously I spoke about Cole Caulfield last week and did I say Caulfield I think I did well, I'm you one did. of those people yeah Cole <laughs> Caulfield I know it's Caulfield okay that was just a slip of the tongue uh, but as I was going through the Vezina odds, uh, I found myself just really looking deeper into Alexander Georgiev's numbers from last year, and I kind of forgot how good he was. I don't think I was paying enough attention, okay? So this goaltender was tied for first in the league in wins, second in shutouts, nine, ninth in save percentage, fourth in goals saved above average per 60, which to me is the main stat that I use to identify how good you were. So number one was Linus Elmark, number two was Phil Gustafsson, number three was Ilya Sorokin, and number four was... Was Georgiev. So to me, in my mind, that made him the fourth best goaltender in the league on average last year. And he currently has the 11th best Vezina odds on Botano. So I see a big gap there for someone who was in the elite tier and he's not being graded that way in terms of the odds you can get on him. So plus 2,900 for the Vezina. I really like that for Georgiev, especially because Pavel Frenzos is banged up. So... We know going into the season, Georgiev had a big workload. Last year, it could actually grow, so the volume stats could get get even bigger, which could up his case for the Besson if he continues to play at a high level. I know that there is a narrative out there, uh, and it was actually our our pal Mike McKenna that was really on this, noticing that Georgiev has a history of regressing. He kind of got worse each year at the New York Rangers, but that was in a backup role. That was a small sample size. He almost doubled his career high in starts last year. So I consider last year's sample size with him in a rhythm playing so much more, much more valuable, much more important, much more sustainable. So I'm kind of all in on Georgiev being the sleeper Vezina Trophy pick for the year. What do you think?
2: I like it. Like, who thought Linus Olmark was going to be the guy doing it last year? So when it comes to Georgiev, like, the potential for him to be this this big boom player was there because you know the rangers fans were really excited to see him in his early days he had some pretty good performances it, it just when chesterkin came over that's when that kind of got ruined and his stats looked terrible in comparison yeah okay we get that um but with what he's able to do last year it felt so underrated because that was an avalanche team that was never at full strength last year when 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 you're missing one of your key guys all year long in landis cog you know you got to make up for it other ways and that's, you know, sure they won the Stanley cup, but there was a lot of turnover too, um, from some key players. So I think that he went over and, and did exactly what he needed to do and impressed. And I, so a bit of a long shot, but I think it's one we're taking just because, you know, there's just so much potential there. Now he's got that first year and I don't think he's going to have any competition. There's no real concern of him being a one a one B. I think this is his crease to, to really steal. And I think it's his opportunity to go and, and, and be one of the better goalies in the league. So I'd say, yeah, I picked him last year just for reference.
0: All right. in that, in that tiny league, this I love that you have expansion. Now you're going from the original four to the original six, which is exciting.
2: Uh, okay. <laughs> we, oh, we have expansion fees and everything. $10 million. Yes. And $10 everything. expansion
0: fees. That's awesome. I hope it continues growing and eventually it's just is like a 32-team league. Uh, <laughs> so we got a couple of questions in right now, I think, Steven. So what, what do we have this week from our listeners?
2: All right. First question comes from Jay Moore. Shout out to Jay Moore, a very active person on Twitter. Uh, if goalie points in a pool are only based on wins, would you keep Skinner over Saros, even if Saros is the better goalie? Okay, no, I would not
0: because uh, even if Skinner has a higher win percentage than Saros playing on a better team, the volume is not going to be there to match Saros because Jack Campbell is a much bigger threat to Stuart Skinner's playing time than Kevin Lankinen is to UC Saros. Kevin Lankinen is not a threat at all. No disrespect to Lankinen, but Saros is one of the best goaltenders in the world. He's also one of the busiest goaltenders in the world. So if you look at last year, Skinner didn't win as many games as Saros. He had four fewer wins, and even though he was on a much better team, on a team that didn't make the playoffs, Saros had four more wins because he played 14 more games. So I still think you're going to see that battle between Skinner and Campbell again, and Skinner might be in the 50 start range, where Saros, you know, is going to be 60 to 65. So because of that edge in volume, I think he's still going to get more wins even on a much inferior team.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I have to agree there. This is a guy who's going to be playing a ton, and, and Nashville, if they want to make the playoffs, assume they want to, uh, he's kind of just has to be perfect the rest mm-hmm. of the way. This is not a strong Predators team, so he's going to have to be able to go steal a ton of games. And is, is he capable of that? Yes, we know that uh, he was playing at a near Vesna rate for a portion of last year, but uh, yeah, when it, like. There used to be a time where like you look at a guy like Jimmy Howard and in and, and Corey Crawford, they weren't necessarily going to have the greatest stats, but they'd get you wins and they play it on great teams and they play it a lot. When it comes to Skinner, there's no guarantee of that. So um I'd have to agree there. Uh last question here. We do feel only a few questions today. Uh Caleb Anderson, is Patrick Line a 30 goal scorer this year? And I can't remember if this was asked before or after they made the coaching change, but either interesting.
0: One. Yeah, is a, a good point because under Pascal Vinson, maybe Patrick Line is a little more uh, able to freewheel. So to me, it's really just a matter of health. Um, if he can even get to 65 games this year, I think he will get 30. He has a, a much better supporting cast around him this year with a lot more talent coming in. Even from the point, Damon Severson, Ivan Provorov, you have Adam Fantilli there. Some more opportunities to play with other good players. Just the team in general is healthier. So many players who were out last year are at least in the lineup to start the year um obviously it's dangerous to predict 30 goals for patrick Line. he missed 27 and 26 games in the past two seasons but in seven seasons in the nhl he's been at a 30 goal pace six times so he is a 30 goal scorer it's just a matter of can he get enough games in i think he will even in 60 65 games that should be enough so i'm going to predict yes he does get to 30.
2: his last time he did it was 2018-19 so that was quite a bit ago but he did come close to 28 and again we're looking at like he's missing by a few goals at a time and if he's healthy for the whole season he's hitting that so i agree if he's healthy i think he'll do it all righty so steven we're going to finish it off with the starting lineup and
0: because you've been taking in so many prospect games recently these tournaments i wanted to go prospect theme for you um so i'm going to challenge you to name your favorite prospects ever and the rule here is not in terms of what they became in the NHL, but at the time of their prospecthood, who are your favorite that you ever saw when they were still at the junior age? And, you know, you could say before they were drafted or before they played an NHL game. All right. Well,
2: let's start with uh, the Elvis Likens. That might come out a complete <laughs> random Poor class. Austin, Stephen. I just I loved watching him play with Latvia. I loved watching him play the span the cup with Switzerland in the in the Swiss league. Like this is a guy that just showed so much potential, was playing a lot of games at a young age, and it looked like yeah, this guy was going to be maybe the best Latvian goalie. And when he finally came over and he played in that Traverse City tournament a couple years ago, 2019, it looked like all right, he's ready for the the job in Columbus. And obviously, some ups and downs. The ups have been very high. Like remember when he was a rookie, he was putting up some incredible numbers, and then everything kind of just fell apart a little bit after. For that I think though that now that solo has gone, they've they've anointed him as the guy going forward. And tarasov will push forward, but with what it came to likens I just thought it was so much fun to watch him play those couple years and always was entertaining. Uh the next one, i'm uh, gonna stick with goalie, Yaroslav Askarov. Uh, just one of the most entertaining goalie's I've ever watched. And it's funny, last year was actually the very first time I got to see him in person because obviously played in Russia for so long. Um but the one thing you'd watch from just clips and stuff of how aggressive he'd be in the net just flopping around he would uh you'd have a guy coming down a breakaway and he would leave the crease to go and poke check you in a way that looked so stupid that no <laughs> player was prepared for he's so much fun to watch he has the size and he had the results, so I'm I'm really still banking on him being the future uh, for the National Predators if he sticks there. I know there was a lot of questions if he was, you know, going to be maybe traded for that fifth pick in Montreal, which would have been pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Askarov now is a really good prospect. But I was so hyped on him grow, uh, in those years in Russia; it was so much fun to watch. The next one, Cole Caulfield. All the talk about Jack Hughes that year in the U.S. National Development team, but Cole Caulfield literally could not stop scoring. I believe he scored like 72 goals in that one year. Uh, We do expect Cole Eisenman to break that record this year. He had 69, I think, last year. Um, So, you know, I think we could see that record broken for the U.S. National Development team, but what Caulfield was doing, I, you know, again, Hughes deserved all the love, but Caulfield to me was a top four, top five player. The fact that he fell as far as he did again that felt a little silly to me uh the next one Connor mcdavid wow what a shock but i have a little bit of an antidote for you uh when i was at a game uh back i want to say it was it was in his draft year 2014-2015 uh and he had played in a ball hockey tournament he still wasn't like super well known they still weren't making a huge deal over prospects like they were mcdavid or the bedard but i played in a tournament where like David was playing and I don't remember who it was on his team but people wanted the autograph of somebody else on that team and it wasn't David. It was great. We got absolutely demolished by his team. Um but the uh he also then played in a game in Oakville uh, against the Mississauga Steelheads, a preseason game. And he played defense and he had five points. Like, it was oh. unbelievable <laughs> how good of a player he was. So uh, I got to see him for the very first time at the OHL Cup. It was just kind of I happened to be there for something else. And someone's like, hey, look at this guy. But David, he's really good. And turns out they're right. He was very good. Number two, Ryan Merkley. I know that one feels a little off compared to a few of these guys here. Certainly, yeah, he's going to be playing in the KHL. <laughs> but I, you know, from a pure skill level, you talk to anybody who watched him play U16 level, and no one came close to playing him. Like he was such a high, he was like a, I think he was a point per game player as an underage defenseman, which was like unheard of at, at the GTHL. But he was like the guy that the Toronto Junior Canadians were always really like relying on and you put some good numbers up in the OHL, but then there was all the stories about like, you know, his, his attitude, his, his things like that. And, you know, obviously, unfortunately, it didn't work. Uh, not the most perfect player. I can't say that it didn't feel like he progressed a ton on these later stages of his uh, OHL time. But I thought just those early days watching him play, it's like, there's no one who can move the puck like him. Uh, and unfortunately, I like to go with more unique answers. But this one's gonna be a boring one. And it's it's Connor Bedard. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since reading that first article from uh, Ken Campbell back in 2018 to learn how good of a player Bedard was, I just like, okay, I got to see what's up here. And I think it kind of speaks for itself. We kind of know how good Connor Bedard is, and I'm excited to see him finally play in the NHL. It's It feels like a long time coming. Like I've been watching him play for five years now at this point.
0: For sure. And that's a perfect way to, to end it and end this episode. Just another mention of Connor Bedard, because now we're less than a month away from seeing him debut in the NHL against Pittsburgh Penguins, Sidney Crosby. I absolutely can't wait. Most excited I've been to see a prospect debut in a long, long time. And we'll be watching very carefully. We'll be back, of course, next week, continuing to help you with your draft prep, everyone, as we get to that stretch run before your fantasy season starts. We'll talk to you soon.